Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. Jim and Martha Brangenberg were recently guests on the Millennial Boom podcast with host Patrick Kelly. Patrick asked some insightful questions to Jim and Martha about marriage and family from their perspective as Gen Xers. We hope you enjoy part two of this two-part interview. Welcome back, everyone, to the Millennial Boom podcast. Again, I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. I've got Jim and Martha Brangenberg on the line, and we just got done talking about workplace and workspace, and it was fantastic. I loved every minute of it, but now we're going to get into marriage and family, and how does that invade the workforce, not even just workplace and workspace. So, Jim, Let's talk about how marriage and family invades the workforce. It, it's a it's a real let me bottom line it for you, Patrick. <laughs> Whatever if your marriage is a mess at home, if your family's a mess at home, it impacts everything you do, especially your work. There's no way to shut it off. There's no way to compartmentalize. If you got a sick kid at home, if your marriage is a mess, when you go to work, you are half there, maybe not even there. You just may be a body. So, so many times, and when you look at the generations, the traditionalists, they never, ever talked about their marriage or their family when they're at work. That was work. That's where you did it. The boomers, they, they kind of let it mingle a little bit, but that's when the marriage, when marriages and families started falling apart during the boomer generation. When you look at the reality of it, work impacts family and marriage, and marriage and family definitely impact work. They're not separable because we're not separate human beings. We are all one. And when stuff's a mess in our head, it impacts everything we do. Oh, uh, I, to- I totally, totally agree with you. What's your take on it, Martha? Um, well, you know, I, I agree. Um, this is something that Jim and I are actually very passionate about and really try to help people to, um, to work on and to build it up, whether it's in their marriages or in their workplace. You know, where is, where, what is affecting what and how can we make it um, better? But one of the, you know, it's funny because we were just talking about work space and I told you the fact that we built a home with a, uh, an office in it for our insurance agency. We had people come that worked with us um, and our kids were around. Our, our marriage was a part of the, the um, atmosphere because we worked together. We have worked together most of our married life in one aspect or one entrepreneurial you know, thing or another. And um, being able to live out our marriage around coworkers, around employees, around vendors, and allowing them to see, hopefully for the most part, a healthy relationship I think it was it's been a really vital part of what we have done in our workplace because um, a lot of people don't see examples of people working out conflict and working out how to how to get along and how to communicate and we've done that in a pretty public way in a lot of ways and um, you know that's something we just kind of wanted to shift a little bit and do that for people and for ourselves because it makes us stronger. Yeah, I, I again, hundred percent agree with both, with both, with both. So, here's here's a fun fact. So, with you, when you think marriage or family, we talk about the millennial boom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, here's some stats on millennials. So, singled, uh, singled, right? Look at that one, singled. 
Uh, single and never married, 75%. Married, 21%. And separated, 4%. Mm-hmm. Um, we, talk, we talk about um, in the book and on the podcast uh, how we believe that as millennials uh, that our baby boomers' parents affected how we now view marriage and family. So a lot of my friends are just getting married between the ages of 30, what, 32, and I would say 40 years old at this point. Right. Um, my, my parents got divorced. A lot of my friends' parents got divorced. And so does that play a part? Do you believe that that plays a part, Martha, when we now are growing up and we're almost 40 years old and how that shapes us in life and work as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, D- Jim is just biting to to speak out and into this. So I'm going to let him, I'm going to divert to him. Jim, Go ahead, in, Jim. <laughs> does does it play a part? <laughs> yes. It's a disaster. Field manuals have been around for decades. You and I are soldiers serving in our mission fields at work. The I Work For Him field manuals are intended to provide the practical, tactical, factual, and biblical perspectives around work, women at work, and retirement. Our field manuals provide the detailed biblical information and faith-based how-tos for Christ followers like you serving in the field. Go to iworkforhim.com forward slash bookstore and request your free chapter today. That's iworkforhim.com forward slash bookstore. Thanks for going digital okay so here's the deal uh and let's just let's just lay it out the traditionalists they stay they got married a lot of them got married during the war they stay married after the war if they made it home from the war they stayed married miserable or not they stayed married till death did them part period end of story the boomers the boomers said that was ridiculous i grew up in a miserable household if i'm not happy i'm just gonna get divorced well, the problem was the liars, the psychiatrists that were liars that said, no problem, divorce is okay, the, the collateral damage is dealable, kids are resilient, they'll be fine. That was a pile of garbage. So we see that a lot of boomers got married and then didn't stick with it and got divorced, which has impacted the Xers and the millennials and soon to be the digital generation. The problem was that nobody feeds, who's teaching who to be married? Because marriage is the fabric of society. Without marriage, society doesn't continue on. Study any civilization. When marriage crumbles, the, the eventually the civilization crumbles. Look at the Roman Empire. You, you've, you've got to look at But we got to look at marriage. And when you look at the, the boomers, they gave up on marriage, not 50% of the time, but it's like 40% of the time they gave up on their marriage because it got too hard. Well, what did that teach the Xers and the millennial children that they had? Well, if it's too hard, just give up. Or okay. don't, or don't do it, or don't do it. Uh, yeah, well, don't, well, well. Say, or don't do it. Don't, yeah, right. Well, at first it was if it was too hard, just give up. That's the exercise. So most of our peers that got divorced, it just got too hard. And so they, they thought they, they had they suffered from the greener grass syndrome, which let me just lay that out for you too. This is something I get passionate about because there's so many lies in out case there. Patrick, you couldn't about tell. This. He's well, just, just a little lies. passionate. <laughs> Divorce is a disaster in our society. If you want to look at our society going downhill, look at the beginning of the sexual revolution in the sixties to today, and look at our society from crime and ev- and poverty and everything to today. And it has gone nothing but downhill because marriage has been decimated. But here's the deal. The greener grass syndrome is this. When you look on the other side, you see greener grass. The problem is when you jump the fence onto where the greener grass is, what do you find out? It's not, it's, you know why it's greener? Because there's a leaky septic tank. 
<laughs> because wherever you go, it's never better than where you were. In fact, the statistics were staggering that if you took somebody who wanted to get divorced today and they worked through it and five years later, their marriage is way better off. But if you took that couple that actually got divorced and they look back five years, they look ahead five years and they look back to when they got divorced and they go, oh, I wish I had stayed married because this new one, blended families are hard very hard way harder than sticking together but there's a there's a solution but when you look at marriage and family and the impact on the workplace it's 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 shifted the paradigm permanently because too many people today think that marriage isn't worth the effort when it is absolutely worth the effort martha and i got married i was 19 she was 20 we've been married almost 34 years it's been there isn't a day that hasn't been awesome there's been hours that haven't been awesome <laughs> but there haven't been days that haven't been awesome because we've worked on it from day one yeah i i i agree and, and this and a lot of this happened with the baby boomers divorcing and the the rate has since tripled right yeah. for 65 if you're 65 and older the the the, the rate of uh, the rate of return the rate of divorce has tripled and as we say in the book they're on their second and third marriages yeah. now second and third right mm-hmm. and they did you're right they thought it was okay to get a divorce and i do agree with you because i remember growing up in that household where it was like uh, domestic violence it was drinking and i talk about this in the book and on the podcast is they it, all that was okay like we would go to school and they'd be like oh so yeah cops got called last night on your, your your mom and your dad huh and i was like yeah you guys heard about that huh and they were like yeah yeah ours was thursday night like mm. and it was crazy because it was almost like a norm to a lot of our friends like when your parents screamed and yelled and trust me because they were fighting all like I, my parents right is a lot of our other friends were like yeah that, that's normal yeah that's that's mm. normal and, and then as we grew up, like my number one thing in life, right, is, is being a good parent. So my wife and I, um, we got married in 2008. So we're going on over 11 years being married, 12 years being married. And now 21 years together, we've been together since high school. And it's like our goal is to be good parents. And even when we were 17 together, we were like, yeah, we want kids. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't have kids until we were 26 and 30. But that definitely shaped like my wife and I, it shaped us. Like we, our goal, like if our kid's sick, we take off work. Like my wife's a teacher. I'm first to respond. Right. But then she's like, if I, if you can't do it, I'm getting off work. It mm-hmm. doesn't bother me. They mm-hmm. could fire me. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we took this as millennials to being good parents. Right. Mm-hmm. And everybody I've seen in time magazine help. My parents are millennials. Um, right. <laughs> and it, it's so, it's so funny because um, really it's that's a lot of millennials goals is to be good parents. And yeah. I believe well, that affected us through that, through that time. Well, I think it's that what you just use that word you want to be, you want. So a lot of times the families of old kids were just to be seen and not heard. And it started shifting in our generation as extras. We were with our kids. Our kids were a priority. We let them know that our marriage was more of a priority than them. But a lot of couples really struggle with that. But because if a couple, a marriage is in trouble if the kids are more important than the marriage, but the kids are important and there's only, you only get them so many years. And so often work is so demanding. And, and in my generation and my dad's generation, traveling for work was an accepted and exciting thing. It also led to a lot of adultery where today everybody realizes, you know what, that travel's not cut, not what it's cut out to be. I'd rather be home with my family. I'd, I'd rather not make $500,000 a year and travel all the time. I'd rather make $75,000 a year and be home with my kids. 
You're, you are a thousand percent right. Because I, I mean, I worked for a corporate job, a Fortune 200 company for years. And I was in, geez, I think I counted one year. It was like 26 states and, mm-hmm. and three or four different countries. And don't get me wrong. It was great. And it, some of the trips, my wife was able to come. We were able to make it work. My kids have been to China. They've been to uh, Japan. They've been to Korea. We've done a lot of cool things. But my wife and I looked back at this, right? And we said, what did we gain from all that? And she literally told me the other day, she goes, I think we gained like six or seven free plane tickets. Like her, <laughs> that, was, that was her, what did we gain from all that? Like she's like, she literally told me, babe, when you traveled, I told everybody I was a single mom. She goes, and people would look at me and be like, you got divorced? And she'd be like, oh, no, Patrick's traveling. She's like, he would leave on a Thursday, come back on a Tuesday, be home for a couple days, leave on a Friday, come back on a Monday. And then I realized, too, it's like I was home with my dog, my son, all the way through uh, to where I think, what, a year year old until we put him into daycare. Same thing with my daughter. I stayed home with her until about six months old. And then I went and started to work for a corporate job. And then all of a sudden, like, it was like, whoa, she's three years old. Yeah. And it was like, all right. And then, boom, I and now I'm back to being at home. I've been at home for the last now three years again. But it definitely did. It shaped it. That whole, I love traveling. I still do. But it did. Now I'm like, I want to pick where I go. Right. I don't want to be told where to go, when to go, what day to travel on, why I need to be there. It's just that, to me, compromises that family nucleus 100%. Well, and, and you know, it comes down to, you know, how are we, the investment in our kids, when you look at the traditionalists, most of them are pretty level-headed, disciplined kind of people with a big work ethic, and they had to because their parents, that's the way they were raised. And then we've come full swing where we've got this generation today where, where our generation, the Xers, they didn't want to be like their parents. They didn't want to, they didn't, they didn't want to have all the fighting and they didn't want to do all the spanking or the discipline of the kids. And so they did everything for their kids the world surrounded their kids, which is why when the kids left, a lot of them got divorced. And so that was a they mess. Didn't have life because they didn't have of life outside kids. of kids. Yeah. Now, the millennials, one of the things that you'll find a lot of people arguing about with the millennial generation is that they don't know how to discipline, although they know they need to, because sometimes their kids can be a living nightmare because they don't because they, they they either grew up in a household like you did where they were screaming and yelling and domestic violence. They're like, I don't want to. I don't want that. But yet. Kids need to be taught discipline and they need to be disciplined. They also need to be taught to work. Like our kids, they were working at four or five years old. They're emptying the dishwasher. They're taking out the garbage. They were working in our businesses to what extent they could so they could learn that. Too many kids today have been coddled. I'm not saying all of them. I'm not. But too many kids have been coddled. Look what you said, Jim. Not all of them. Because I agree with you. I mean, I'm very, I, I think I'm, you know what? No, I'm going to say it. I'm a very good parent. Um, I, I believe I am. I feel it in my heart. I know I, my wife thinks I am. So, and I do believe though that I see a lot of other parents and how they do react with their children. And then I say how I am now. Do my kids act up? Yes, of course. I was trying to light. <laughs> I was trying to light buildings on fire when I was six yeah. years old. They're kids. You know, they're kids, right? Yeah. But. I do agree with you. There are. I mean, again, we have a population in this millennial population that's 82 million. Guess what? We're not all sunshine and rainbows here. I mean, there's going to be a lot of the other side, right, mm-hmm. in all generations. But I do agree with you. It creates a different environment. And, and then again, it, it creates a different person at work. I mean, even for the people that aren't married, and this is a, 
Another statistic that is I am working in and working on is that a lot of the marriages, sorry, not marriages, the relationships now, um, the kids are being bored out of wedlock. So now we have so many children, right, with these single, um, I call them the single parents, right? They're not married, but even that affects the workforce too, because then you have a mother that doesn't have a supporting, uh, I would say, mate at home right. to be able to take stress out. Like Jim was saying earlier, it all leads back. So a lot of this is this. So this generation that's coming up, the millennials, um, and then how that's going to affect the iGens and the iGens. I mean, geez, there's 30 plus jobs out there that don't require, you know, uh, to go to work anymore. I mean, how is this going to be towards the iGens that are coming into the workforce at 18, 19 years old now? seeing what the millennials, the Xers, and the boomers are doing. I mean, what do, what do, how do we teach them now? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a great question. Many things in life are out of your control, but you can control the content you listen to. I Work For Him has created a podcast with you in mind that gives you control. Subscribe to the I Work For Him Power Pod on your favorite podcast platform, and you can choose to listen on demand. Shows release several times per week and offer 15-minute highlights of content to help you learn to transform your workplace into a mission field. Subscribe today by searching for I Work For Him Power Pod on your favorite podcast platform. That's I Work For Him Power Pod. You know, the thing that I was thinking through that whole conversation was just the the reminder that as an adult, as a parent, our ultimate goal is to raise children to be responsible adults themselves. So within our um, home, allowing them to fail, allowing them to struggle, allowing them to figure it out so that eventually they become, you know, responsible adults and we have this idea that we have this nest at home that they're comfortable in but we we slowly make it uncomfortable so that they're ready to launch out on their own and practice these things that they've been learning and growing into a responsible adult so it it is a it's a fascinating conversation and I love what you guys have um, that you have such a great platform for talking about um, the different generations and how we can overcome some of these conflicts and learn from them because I don't I don't want to just be that generalization. I want to be the best of whatever it is that I've been created to be no matter what my age is. One of the things Patrick we talk about with couples all the time is that every couple needs a chronologically superior couple in their lives that can feed into them and give them wisdom and walk alongside life with them, have dinner with them and, and just be a resource for them and every couple needs a younger couple that's not near as far along on the on the walk with with wherever they are in life that they can feed into because that kind of accountability is what the that's that's what makes the family the family and because our families today are now spread out all over the country we don't get generational interaction within family so we've got to do it in our neighborhoods I definitely, definitely, definitely agree. So this is a perfect segment to lead into rules of engagement. So we like to give rules of engagement from our guests. We would like to hear. So both topics, we've talked about workspace and workplace, and now we've talked about marriage and family. So if you were to give our audience some advice to a baby boomer, to a Gen Xer, millennial, to an iGen, and even to some of the builders and traditionalists like my Nana that are still listening to this, um, what kind of rules of engagement can we give on each topic? Uh, what do you think, Martha? Um, regarding the workplace and workspace, one of the things that I love is this whole idea that 
Um, somebody else's way of doing things is not wrong. It's just different. And um, just having a really open, you know, looking at it and going, hmm, maybe that would work better for me instead of automatically thinking, nope, not going to happen. Never done it that way. I hate it when people say, well, we've always done it this way. That challenges me to want to see if there's a different way to do it. And I, so I guess I would say that. I would say, you know, look at what others are doing. And if, it, if there's a better way, be open to that and, and ask yourself that question. Well, I, for me, it's humility. Uh, those of us in the older generations need to have humility enough to realize that we don't know all the answers. And a lot of times people coming up in the millennial generation, either either have the, the younger ones or the older ones or this next, the digital gen that's coming up, Gen Z, uh, that, you know, we can learn from each other. Uh, and we need to be open to it and humble enough to say, I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to research it or I'm willing to learn. Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot as well. And, and even we talk a little bit about is try to understand and appreciate how other generations form those views, right? Yeah. I mean, that that's a that's what we need to understand is learning more and more about each other. And I do appreciate, Martha, you said it's, it's glad to have a platform that talks about these generations because, again, nobody wants to talk about it. They don't. We, Hans and I see this all the time. It's like no one wants to talk about it. They always want to say, oh, that generation, oh, the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the media will play off whichever one is popular to go off of at, at, the, at the right time. Right. Yep. So um, I, I do believe in that. So and then what what was um, think about it like this. So if you're a boomer and you've been married three to four times and you're a millennial and you've never been married. This is what I have to say. Ready? No judging. Mm. Except everybody with an open book, open arms. There is no judging. And I know there's a lot of, and I'm going to say this, stereotypes, not even generalizations, that even myself that's seen my parents get divorced. So I, I used to have that. And working with Hans so closely, he's taught me to get out of these stereotypes and generalizations. But except with an open book and open arms mm. to everybody. I That's, think, I mean, clear. I think it really goes to recognizing the hurt. A lot of times those people got married three or four times. There's a lot of hurt involved. And they carried the hurt from one marriage to another. And the, a lot of times the reason that... A, a young person hasn't gotten married is because of the hurt. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of hurt around and we don't deal with hurt very well in our society. We, 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 we tend to try to, well, we tend to do the ogre thing. We all learn from Shrek. Uh, ogres are like onions. Onions are like ogres. We all got layers. And the problem yep. is we never peel back the layers. We never, we don't teach our kids today very well to deal with conflict. Uh, I agree. I agree. I think some do, but I think you're right. There's a majority that, that they try to just shy away and just smile and then, you know, keep it in, keep it on the inside. Right. So, um, all right, well, this has been great. Uh, if we, if anybody wants to get a hold of Jim and Martha, um, how do we get a hold of you? How do the listeners get a hold of you and how do they get on to listening to you on your network as well? Awesome. Well, the easiest place to find everything is on our website, which is IWorkTheNumberForHim.com. And there you can find all of our social links. You can find all of the different podcast platforms that we're on. We have a couple different varieties of podcasts, different lengths um, and different release dates. So that is the one place that you can kind of move all over, you know, and, and see for yourself where we are. We've got a listener line. You can call in. You can contact us. Um, we're all over social media, so iworkforhim.com. 
Awesome. I really appreciate it. I want to thank both of you for being on the show today and look forward to uh, working with both of you in the near future. Jim, Martha, thank you. It was thank our you, pleasure. Patrick. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit iworkforhim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at I Work For Him to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at I Work For Him and online, iworkforhim.com. I work the number number four, him.com.